0: Turn, if you would, to the second chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians. I was hoping to make it all the way through the second chapter last week. That was rather naive of me to think I could do that. (laughs) That's okay. Last week's lesson, I am in the process of losing my voice, so hopefully I'll make it through the week. Hour, but uh, if not, we'll adjourn with prayer. Last week's lesson the gospel is the power of God, and without the cross, there is no gospel. Paul is telling them, I came to you not preaching with fancy words, I came to you to share with you the cross and Christ and Christ crucified, because that is the gospel message. We are to preach Christ and him crucified in weakness, in fear, and with trembling. There is no place in the Christian life for pride, the arrogance that comes with believing that you have accomplished your salvation on your own. There's just no place for it. It cannot exist. The message of wisdom that is taught to the mature is a wisdom from God, a secret wisdom that has been hidden and a wisdom that God destined for our glory. And we had a discussion last week about us receiving glory because of the reflection of Christ in our lives. And that was last week's lesson. I'm not sure how far we made it into this passage, but let's look at verse 8. None of the rulers of this age understood it, The it being the wisdom that is from God, this secret wisdom, this hidden wisdom. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. What is it that they did not understand? God's plan and purpose? That Christ was the Messiah. The purpose of the Messiah. There's a passage in Luke. I think it occurs in some of the other Gospels too, but I just picked one. When Jesus is on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them, they do not know what they are doing. Question, why didn't they know what they were doing? I mean, did the Jewish leaders who wanted Christ crucified, did they not know what they were doing? Did Caiaphas not know why he was sending Christ to the cross? The Roman soldiers who were actually doing the crucifixion, did they not know what they were doing? They knew exactly what they were doing. They were professionals at killing people. They all knew what they were doing. They didn't know who they were doing it to. They had crucified a lot of people. Caiaphas had probably dealt with a lot of rabble rousers who had tried to stir up trouble. They had done that before, and here they were doing it to the Messiah, and they did not know who he was. And Christ says, Forgive them because they are ignorant. Or are they ignorant? There is a philosophical belief that goes all the way back to uh, at least Plato that I know of and is very popular in a lot of circles today that the only problem with humanity is a lack of education. If I can educate you, if I can teach you what is the right thing to do, you will, of course, do the right thing. If I can convince you of a course of action being the correct, the virtuous, the whatever word you want to use, course of action, you will say, well, of course, and I'll do that. You see this in a lot of organizations who view education as the path to utopia. Now, I'm a big fan of education. Being intelligent is better than being stupid, Okay, it just is. But it is not, it is not the pathway to salvation. Why? Because as we discussed last week, when we discussed this idea of the wisdom of God and the wisdom of this world, we noted the fact that when you go to the book of Proverbs, the fool is not the one who is ignorant. The fool is the one who has seen the truth and rejected it. It isn't that they don't know the will of God. It is that they choose not to do it. We're going to talk about this in a moment when we talk about those who are not led by the Spirit will not accept the truth. They don't accept it, and to them it's foolishness, Therefore, they do not learn it. But what came first? The refusal to accept it. That can't be right. We see this in Romans chapter 1, where we are told that the invisible attributes of God are clearly seen. But humanity looks at it and says no, and chooses to go after the creation instead of worshiping the creator himself. Yes. Two words describe what you're talking about. Overeducated fools. Over-educated fools. <laughs> well, you can be an overeducated fool or you can be an undereducated fool. The operative word is a fool. Yes. Therefore, Christ would die on behalf of which not the Jewish people would have expected It was a stumbling block to them. They were blind to the truth, but they were blind because they chose to be blind. They were ignorant because they chose to be ignorant. And that's what we sometimes overlook. In the book of Proverbs, there is a discussion of the person who is just ignorant. They are called the simple. That's different than being the fool. So, none of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. What would they have done? They would have worshipped him. However... As it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. And we discussed that as part of last week's lesson. But God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. We're going to spend today's lesson talking about the Holy Spirit. This passage, the rest of this chapter, deals with the Spirit and his work in our life. In particular, his work in the area of teaching us and leading us to an understanding of the truth. The scripture is full of discussions about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has a variety of different tasks and missions. We are only going to talk about one of them today. Uh, From our... um, doctrinal statement of our church, it says we believe that the Godhead eternally exists in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and that these three are one God, having precisely the same nature, attributes, and perfections, and worthy of precisely the same homage, confidence, and obedience, the Holy Spirit being one of the members of the Trinity. Sometimes we have a tendency to... um, Not think too much about the work of the Holy Spirit because we're worried that if we do, we'll become charismatics. (laughs) Well, they have their problems, and we're going to deal with those problems in several weeks in the future when we talk about the nature of spiritual gifts, the nature of tongues, etc. But for right now, let's remind ourselves that there are three persons of the Trinity. All of them are worthy of precisely the same homage, confidence, and obedience. This is a chart that uh, gets dragged out a whole lot, and I just wanted to remind us. The doctrine of the Trinity uh, confuses a lot of people, and it probably should. It is a difficult concept. But basically we have the Father, who is God, the Son, who is God, the Holy Spirit, who is God. But the Father is not the Son. There is a distinction in person. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. There is a distinction in person. And the Father is not the Holy Spirit. Why is this important? Because there are those who believe that it is simply a different manifestation. There is the Father aspect of God in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we have the Jesus Christ presentation of God. And following Pentecost, we have the Holy Spirit presentation of God. And the truth is, no, there are three distinct people working in the Godhead to accomplish their will and to accomplish our salvation. All three come into play. Now, that's a whole lot of words. This is taken, once again, from our doctrinal statement. I would uh, suggest you read it. I'm not going to read all these words. We believe that the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Blessed Trinity, though omnipresent from all eternity, took up his abode in the world in a special sense on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit abides in all believers. A couple of verses. I, as I said, there's numerous verses you can look at in the Scripture dealing with the Holy Spirit. I took three from the book of John, um, just as a representation. John fourteen fifteen 15-17 says, If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept it, him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you, and will be in you. Notice the promise that Jesus is giving to his disciples. You can imagine the fear that was uh, in the hearts of the disciples when they were told that Jesus was going to leave them. I mean, this guy's God, and he's leaving them. But he says, "Don't worry about it. I'm going to send you someone else, the the Counselor, the Spirit of Truth." John seven thirty seven to thirty nine On the last and greatest day of the feast Jesus stood and said in a loud voice If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. What we see in the Old Testament is the Spirit descending on people for a particular time, for a particular purpose, but not a general giving of the Spirit to all believers. We don't see that until the New Testament, where the promise of the Holy Spirit living inside each of us is given. In the Old Testament, it was hit and miss. Sometimes they had it, sometimes they didn't. One more. John sixteen twelve to 15. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. Jesus spent three years with his disciples teaching them. And he gets to the end of the three years and he says, there's a lot more, but you know what? You're not ready for it. You can't handle it. There's just too much truth. But don't worry. Don't worry because the Spirit will continue to teach you truth. He will tell you what you need to know. And that's actually what we're going to talk about today from 1 Corinthians, because we're going to talk about Jesus, the, the Spirit teaching us. So, back to verse 10, chapter 2. But God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. Revealed what? Well, as it says before, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. We had a discussion about that last week. There's a discussion about um, people have an idea about what they want from God. They want more comfort. They want more wealth. They want more power. But who could have conceived that God was going to come down and make us children of God? Who could have conceived such a thing? And the observation is no one could have unless the Holy Spirit came and revealed that to us. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. The Spirit is studying, the Spirit is understanding the way the world works, even to the deepest understanding of the ways of God. The Spirit understands that. Why is that important? Well, because he's going to reveal it to us. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? Stop right there. We are human beings. We have a certain level of understanding of human beings, of other human beings, because we are a human being. We understand when somebody says, I'm hungry. We understand when somebody says, I'm thirsty. We understand when someone says, I'm in love. We have a certain understanding of other human beings because of the fact that we are human beings. You know, we pretend to have the same level of understanding of our pets, but mainly because we take human attributes and force them into our pets. Don't get me started on that. But you know what? We're not cats. We're not dogs. We're human beings. So we relate to other human beings because our spirit, our human spirit, relates to them. And that's how we help, it's how, how we understand other people. Keep reading. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Hmm. If I can understand a human being... Because I'm a human being. If I want to understand God, what has to happen? Well, I could be a Mormon and I could become a god. Okay? I don't think that's what the scripture teaches. but (laughs) Or I could have someone living in me who is, in fact, the spirit of God. God. The Spirit of God understands the things of God because the Spirit of God is God. In the same way that I understand human relationships, the Spirit understands God things because the Spirit is God. Mm-hmm. The fact that the Trinity had perfect communication with mm-hmm. them. And that was a concept to me that was very interesting because we are constantly talking about our communication with our brothers and sisters and how it all breaks down. And that's basically what this is talking about here, God said the Trinity has perfect communication, and we don't. And that's a concept that we can kind of understand. Did you all hear that? The members of the Trinity have perfect communication with each other at all times we have trouble with that you know let me back up a sentence or two I made the comment that you know I understand we understand human things because we're human well that's true we do but we also have a fallen nature which hinders us from understanding even human things Because I start judging you based on my sin, my ego, my selfishness, etc. So the communication begins to break down because of our fallen nature. There is no fallen nature in the Trinity. So there is perfect communication between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Perfect at all times. Good point. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. I may think I know what my cat is thinking. Maybe I'd better back that up. But I don't. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, no, I don't understand my cat at all. I let my cat out of the front door this morning because he has to go outside, and I walk to the back door, and the cat's at the back door wanting to get back in. Why? Because it was raining, and it doesn't like rain. I may think I understand cats and dogs, etc., but I don't because I'm not a cat or dog, et cetera. I have a better chance of understanding human beings because at least I am a human being. I have very little chance of understanding the things of God. Why? Because I'm not God. I am not of the same species as God is. Now, let's stop right there. Let's put on our despair and let's go home. And a lot of theologians have accepted that position. I'm a human being. God is God. God is infinite, etc., etc. What's the use? I couldn't understand him if I tried to understand him. I couldn't understand him if I wanted to, and I probably don't even want to. So what's the use? And they throw up their hands, and they say, God is too big, he's too strong, he's to this, he's to that, we can't understand the things of God because we are not God. The answer is correct. We're not God. But we have the spirit of God living in us to reveal those truths to us. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. So if we are going to understand it, it's because the Spirit of God has revealed it to us. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. There is a Spirit of the world, a Spirit of the age, and there is a Spirit of God. Somebody want to take a shot at what the spirit of the age, the spirit of this world would look like? What it would teach, what it would believe? I saw it on the DVD recently. It looks like Christopher Hitchens. (laughs) She says it looks like Christopher Hitchens. Which DVD were you watching? Douglas Wilson and Wilson Craig. oh, Craig, okay. Hitchens is one of the uh, authors that is writing popular books right now on atheism, Why the idea of God is stupid, ridiculous, and bad for us, okay Somebody else, what does the spirit of this world look like? Pardon, I don't want names. <laughs> Go ahead. Sex drugs and, and sex, drugs, and rock and roll. What's wrong? Oh, no. I'm. But what is the sex, drugs, and rock and roll an indicator of? Huh? Humanism. Darkness. Humanism. The desire to be the arbiter of right and wrong. What did Satan tell Eve in the garden? In the day you eat of the fruit, you will be like God. You will be the one who gets to determine what is good and what is bad. You shall be God. And for all of human history, humanity has tried very hard to be the final arbiter of what is right and what is wrong. And it breaks out in sex, drugs, and rock and roll in one generation. It breaks out in something else in another. It's the same thing. It just looks different. And usually it doesn't look that different. We think it's different. It It always includes includes self-gratification. The giving to the self. Yes? question. We have not received the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. What has God freely given us? Pardon? His son, salvation Through his Son, his love, his Spirit. That's what we're talking about right here. I like that word freely. What he has freely given us. We have a lot of discussion, even today, in the church about what it takes to be a Christian. And there's always a group wanting to tack on something that we have to do to be a Christian. Whether it is some list of activities that we have to do, some list of activities we have to avoid, some um, attitude that we have to have, the truth of the matter is, we as fallen human beings couldn't do anything to merit our salvation if we wanted to do something to merit our salvation. And the scripture leads us to believe that without the movement of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we don't even want to do it. The salvation that we have has been freely given to us. Yes ma'am Yes. What does that have to do with this? <laughs> Without question. Now, what confuses us sometimes is that when the Spirit moves in our lives and we receive the freely given gospel, the Spirit is going to work at, what? Changing us. And there are those things that we did before that all of a sudden the Spirit says, I don't think so. So there is a change in our behavior, a change in our attitude, but that change is a product of the gospel. It is not a cause for us receiving the gospel. It isn't, get this list together, and once you do everything, then you have earned salvation because we can't do it we can't do anything that would merit god giving his salvation to us the salvation is freely given to us and how do we know what was freely given to us the holy spirit reveals it to us this is what we speak Not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. Paul began the chapter by saying, Do you have a question? That'd be good. The giving up of our ego for the life directed by the Spirit. So, what we receive is not human wisdom, but spiritual wisdom. Spiritual words giving us a spiritual message. If you remember at the beginning of the chapter... Paul says, I didn't come to you speaking fancy words. I didn't come to you with the eloquence that you expect from the philosophers that preach in the marketplace. Now, as I mentioned last week, Paul was a highly educated man. He probably could have done that had he chosen to do that. But he wanted to demonstrate the power of the Spirit To save people, not the power of Paul, to weasel people in to making a professed conversion. He is going to share with them spiritual truth. The man without the Spirit, the man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. We have three things here. He can't accept them. He thinks they're foolish. And he can't understand them. Now, I would tend to believe that this order is backwards, okay? I sit down with one of my children and try to explain calculus to them, okay? Let's say I take my 8-year-old and I try to explain calculus to her. She's bright. She's sharp. She doesn't understand calculus. Sorry. So she doesn't understand it. So she begins to think that maybe this is just stupid. Maybe dad is just pulling a joke on me, telling me things that intentionally don't make sense. I don't understand them. Therefore, it must be foolish, because obviously I've made it to this far in my life without understanding calculus. Therefore, I can make it through the rest of my life. Therefore, Since I don't understand it, since it's foolishness, therefore I don't accept it. And I walk away from the calculus. That's the way I think it would work. But that's not the path that we have here. What happens first is a refusal to accept the truth. Huh. Why would they do that? Why would they refuse to accept the truth when they haven't even understood it in the first place? It's unattractive. unattractive. A rebellious nature. A rebellious nature. Back to Romans chapter 1. The things of God were clearly seen, but human beings chose to reject it. There's the truth, and I turn around, and I choose to walk the other way. I choose to not accept it, therefore I declare it foolish. I declare it foolish because it doesn't fit in what I think is the truth. And who is the arbiter of the truth? Me. Go ahead. God has freely given us a choice. That's true. He's freely given us the choice, and we choose to reject the truth. <laughs> I don't accept it. I think it's foolishness. Therefore, I can't understand it even if I wanted to understand it. Even if I wanted to understand it, and I don't, without the illumination of the Holy Spirit, I cannot, I will not understand the things of God. Please. Next question. Her question was Did God choose that we not understand it? Is that the question? Yes. Oh, next question. No. Go ahead. Any more questions? No. (laughs) I'm going to get back to this one. Go ahead. Is there not a connection between your heart, what you believe in your heart, and what you sort out in your mind? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Holy Spirit revealed it to him. 2 Corinthians 3:16 explains what happens after that. What does it say? It says that when you turn to Christ, the veil is removed. You can understand all this nope. stuff all of a sudden. We'll get to that as in several months. James hmm? Go ahead. They're getting worse. Her comment was, he chose who will understand it. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) What does that mean? (laughs) The illustration that I like to use is simply this, okay? I tell my son to go mow the yard. Now, at this particular moment, there's a 10-foot hole in my yard there's not but for the sake of illustration let's say there is so I tell my son don't jump in the hole because if you jump in the hole you won't be able to get out and you won't be able to mow the yard which is what I ask you to do so I say good luck and I leave my son out of sheer curiosity runs over and he starts looking in the hole out of sheer curiosity he jumps in the hole I return five hours later. The yard is not mowed. And I know exactly where my son is. He's in the hole. (laughs) So I walk over the hole, and I say, Son, why didn't you mow the yard? Well, I couldn't. I'm down in this hole. How could I mow the yard when I'm in a hole? And I said, You're right. You're in a hole. And I told you not to fall in the hole yet you chose to jump in the hole. So is he not guilty, or is he guilty of not mowing the yard when I ask him to do it, just because he couldn't do it because he was sitting in a hole? And that's what humanity is. The concept of original sin is that your and my ancestors chose to jump in the hole. They chose of their own free will to go jump in that hole. And as we see in the book of Romans, all of us collectively live with the consequence of that sin that we are sinners. We are all in the hole. Now, we're all guilty because we chose to live in that hole of our own free will. The Holy Spirit comes along, and he lifts people out of that hole. Now, if you want to have a long discussion, and we're not going to do it. If you want to have a long discussion, he goes to everybody in that hole and says, Do you want to come out? Do you want to come out? Do you want to come out? And he gives everybody the opportunity to get out of the hole. That is what we call Arminianism, which is probably what most of you believe. If you're a good Calvinist, he walks over and he grabs some of them and pulls them out of the hole. Okay? We're not going to get into that discussion. The reality of it is, though, nobody gets out of the hole until the Holy Spirit reveals the truth to them. Whether he reveals it to everybody or just, I mean, we're not going to get into that discussion. We can have it, it's fun. I've been there. But sometimes it deflects us from the truth that the only way we respond to the gospel message is by the Holy Spirit moving in our lives and saying, you know, I ought to go that way. And then we respond. The Holy Spirit, God, directs salvation. Because if that didn't happen, knowing us, Some of us, we get cocky that I climbed out of the hole on my own. We didn't. We couldn't. We won't. God does it all. Now, the question was asked about the heart versus the head, the mind. God God wants all of us, all of us as an individual, body, mind, spirit, all of it saved. It isn't a question of turning the mind off and following your heart. It's a matter of all of it being conformed to the image of Christ. I have difficulty with all the pop movies, etc. You know, oh, just follow your heart. As if we can turn off reason and just do what our gut tells us to do. Well, in fallen creatures, our gut usually tells us to do pretty stupid things. Okay? Okay. God gave us a mind, he wants us to use our mind. He gave us a heart, he wants us to use our heart. And I use that heart not in the biological sense, but in the biblical sense of the center of our being. He wants us to use all of this. What we sometimes mistake is that I have looked at the truth, made a logical discussion, and rejected certain truths. We didn't make a logical discussion to reject certain truths. We chose to reject it, and then we went looking for reasons to reject it. If you don't believe that, come talk to my children. Or you can talk to your own children. They're all sinners. That's the way we work. We rationalize our behavior. The individual without the Spirit cannot understand the things of God to that person it is foolishness and they reject it because they don't accept they refuse to accept the fact that God is telling them what to do the spiritual man makes judgments about all things but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment The Spirit in us allows us to make correct judgments about all of life. What is this talking about? It's simply talking about the Holy Spirit guiding us through life. That's good. That's bad. Go this way. Don't go that way. This person is speaking the truth. That person is not speaking the truth. Now, does that mean all of us know all the truth all the time? No. We're going to get into... Uh, Next week's lesson, in chapter 3, we'll see Paul addressing some of them, saying, you know, you're not mature enough. You're not mature enough to understand all the truth, so I'm going to spoon-feed you a little bit of truth. We grow in maturity. We grow in our understanding of the things of the Spirit. We grow in our acceptance of the things of the Spirit. We grow in our ability to respond to the Spirit As we ought. That is the process of sanctification. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Why do we have the mind of Christ? This is easy. Don't think too much about this. Because the Holy Spirit lives in us. Now, if we were going to have a lengthy discussion of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we could talk about the fact that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. We can lie to the Holy Spirit. We can ignore the Holy Spirit. Biblically, I believe, and this church believes, if you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit. You can just choose to ignore him or not, but he's there, which is one of the problems we have with the charismatic teaching that you receive and you know it comes and goes with the... No, you have it. You can just choose to ignore it. Right. <laughs> I think he wants us to finish. <laughs> ah, we have CDs out there of the first four lessons. Conclusions. What the Holy Spirit does for us. He reveals what God has prepared for us. He searches all things. He allows us to know the thoughts of God. He lets us understand what God has freely given us. He teaches us not human wisdom, but spiritual wisdom. Spiritual truth in spiritual words. That's a fabulous phrase. Go home and think about that for a little while. What that really means. And he allows us to make judgments about all things. We're going to talk about judgments Next week, and in about three or four weeks, we're going to talk about it some more. Because Paul is going to say, nobody judges me, okay? God, I mean, I am a servant of God, and God is the one that I'm accountable to. So, you know, go away, don't judge me. But then in a couple of chapters, he's going to say, but we as a church body need to make judgments about the behavior of people within the church. Not the pagans outside the church. It shouldn't surprise us that they are doing bizarre things. But if it's inside the church, we are to make judgments about what they're doing. So we'll have a discussion about that. And he gives us the mind of Christ. Back to that diagram of the Trinity. Christ taught his disciples for three years. And at the end of the three years, he said, I haven't covered everything. I just got started. We now have the mind of Christ available to us to understand the things of God. How do we do that? Do I sit in my chair twiddling my thumbs until it hits me like a lightning bolt? Probably not. We take the Word of God and we allow the Spirit of God to illuminate that Word for us. In the same way that the writers of the Scripture had the Holy Spirit right there guiding them, we have the Holy Spirit right there guiding our understanding of that Scripture. The Word of God will not be violated by anything the Spirit tells you. There's some people who don't believe that. We'll have a discussion of that in the weeks to come. The Word of God, illuminated by the Spirit of God, is what allows us to mature and to grow into what God would have us to be. And finally, without the Spirit... We're not going to understand it. There are today great biblical scholars who don't accept the things of God. You can study the Bible as a work of literature. You can study the Bible as a historical document. You can study the Bible to talk about the development of the concepts through it. There's all kinds of studying you can do on the Bible But you still will not understand that God sent Christ to die for our sins, that we could be children of God. Let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the Spirit. Thank you for the way the Spirit guides us, leads us, and instructs us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.